0: As uh, we study it and as we understand what is in that great verse when it says, talks about the truth. If you look at it, 8 and verse 32. Jesus making the statement. uh, And he's making it to the Jews after the verse 30 says, And he spake these words. Many believed on him. So that word belief is the significance of of the whole of the purpose of Jesus Christ, telling them that he that the God had taught him, and, and that uh, he had sent him, and uh, that He's with him. And He spake these words when He really. that. Yeah, they believe. I want you to start back in verse uh, uh, 28 of chapter 8. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, this means to crucify him, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. Now that's what you call faith. He's in the flesh. And he knows he's with him. He believes him. He's telling people that. And when he told it with those words, look what verse 30 says. And he spake these words. Many believed on him. Just the force of the words and the communication they had with the people, they believed believed him, And then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, and I want you to think about that with our lesson, the title, What Must Man Do? Because in relationship to this uh, text here, what must man do is the continuation of this message here. He says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And those are the disciples that are pleasing to him. Indeed means the one who do, who does. They do something. And the ones who don't are not pleasing. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, this morning we talked about Jesus being the author of eternal salvation. According to Hebrews, the fifth chapter, and verse eight, he suffered, he died, he was risen again, and he was at the right hand of God, and he's there today, but yet he's in our hearts. And he's the gives eternal life. He is the beginner and he is the author of eternal life to everybody that obeys him. And that obey is a constant thing. It's it's the title for a lesson means what you continue to do. What must I continue to do? What are the things involved in my doing? Now Before we start our lesson, if you will get your psalm book and turn to 575, this morning we mentioned in Revelation, the third chapter, in verse 20, where Jesus was standing at the door of the last address that he made to the seven churches, to the one that was lukewarm, and he pleaded with them, and he said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear, or anyone, anyone, any man, it in some version it might be man, but it's anyone, will hear my voice and open the door. I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. Now that was happening a hundred years, or say sixty years, after Jesus was crucified. And he was then in heaven, and he was telling the people of the seven churches that he was still available. Now he's available tonight. It's our faith. If we, if we connect with him, we're doing exactly what he wanted them to do. And Brother Al selected the 575 for the invitation, which is very appropriate. And all that we had said this morning And I just want to go over those verses again with you so that the impact of the lesson we'll cover very briefly in just a minute. The Savior is standing outside the door and gently speaks to your heart. He has been there so often. Refuse him no more. Why don't you let him come in? Verse 2. Of Calvary's hill he went long ago. The male pierced hands was for me. To purchase my pardon, he suffered such woe so I could forever be free. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Verse 3. True riches and blessings he will provide. There's mercy and there's pardon from sin. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. A shelter from storm and whatever be tied. Why don't you let him come in? He's pleading so gently, no longer delay. Why won't you let his word in? And here, this should be underlined. The word that we mention, and we can't mention everything, but the words that we mention, the verses that we refer to, is the message. Believe in his promise. The Savior obeyed, and that's a constant thing. Oh, why don't you let him come in? Time and again he has has knocked there before, Ah, with a message, like he's doing, this evening, And now he is waiting again. He knocks so gently and stands at the door. Why don't you let him come in now? This study... We can study it from many viewpoints, points of view. And we can mention a lot of details of what you ought to do. But we're sort of touching in general just a few points of what we ought to do. And it, it's the whole of our, our life. Uh, it's the basis of, of good adjustment. Uh, the first point is man must know something. He must know. There is so much in the Word uh, that says that knowledge, without knowledge, his people are destroyed. And he came that he might uh, inform us and give us life. But he said that you must be taught. Uh, They shall all be taught of God. There will rise up a a prophet like me, Moses said, and him shall you hear and hearken. And if you don't hear him, You'll be destroyed. So it's been repeated over and over. The word of God is is sharp. It's it's, it's uh, it has a two-edged sword. It's uh, it's to be listened to. It, uh, it it is able to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It is able to penetrate. This God's word is able to 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 correct us and to help us and to put us in the right place. Uh. In Acts 17 and verse 30, Paul was walking. He must have been disturbed because he had spent a lot of time on his second journey and he had been beaten and he had been run out of, of a lot of towns in Asia, minor in Galatia travel. He writes back that epistle to them. You can understand all the things he went through. Every city he was run out of it. He'd been through a lot of persecution. When he comes to this place, After he'd been run out of Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, then he comes to Athens. And then he, of all the gods and of all the idols, he'd never seen the light. Now he was weird, to not too far from here, but it was over in Asia uh, where he'd studied, and at Tarsus. But here, of all the gods and and all the the images,
1: the idols,
0: and they were so meticulous. They were so perfectionistic. They were so uh, wanting to be just perfect until they didn't want to make any God angry. And they said, now, let's erect an idol to the God we've left out. And he recognized that. And he said, I see you're very religious. You're very religious. And, and you, you have a, a God here that you don't know. And you admit that you don't know. Him. And he's the one I want to talk with you about. Now he says God has winked at the ignorance of people, but now he doesn't ever overlook it. Now brethren, that applies to us. When we get to the judgment bar of God, our ignorance is not going to be an excuse. We need to be good stewards. We need to know that Christ is present. He's at the right hand of God. And that we've got to give an account. God is not guilty. God is not the sinner. Man is the sinner. We're guilty, and that's the reason he said, "You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free." Please turn to Romans, third chapter. Let's start with the uh, 21st verse. But now the righteousness of God without the law is made known. We have that. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Whatever we have, the truth today, it's without saddling us with the law and the promise it's the fulfillment of that so we have that knowledge and what is it it's it's the righteousness of God what's the righteousness of God the rest is to be right with him it's to be justified it's to be put in place we be put in place with God in our relationship with God how? by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. Now, that's that constant belief and trust and knowing that we give an account of a Jesus who's at the right hand of God. He's also knocking at our door and saying, let me take over your life. Let me be your Lord. Let me be your Christ. Let me set things in order. So there's no difference. There's no difference. There's no difference in any of us. None of us can be saved on our own there because of who we are. There's no difference in humanity. We all come under the bondage and the curse of Satan and of Satan. for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're dissatisfied, if you all pent up and, and don't have a very good image of yourself and don't feel that God loves you and you're not very special, They just accept the fact that you're off focus a little bit. Because he loves you very, very much, and you're very, very special. Now, the main thing is that you've got to know the truth. The truth is that he loves you so much, he took all of your sins and suffered for them and forgave you. And that righteousness is by faith in him, and that he's here for you. Now, the truth about God is that we need to know about his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, but he, it has severity for people who won't listen to him and don't respect him. As I said this morning, Al, I think you're a good person. I love you. You're very close to me. You're special. But what if I said, well, I don't believe anything he's I don't have confidence in anything you That's the way we treat Jesus sometimes. The truth about it is that Jesus was born and was given his name because he's our Savior, and he's going to save his people from our sin. We have to accept our sin our sinfulness, And then without Christ, we would be lost. Hebrews 5, 8, and 9, Though he was son, yet learned he obedience by faith which he suffered. Being then made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. In chapter 2, he said, he tasted death for every man by the grace of God who died, that he might shackle old Satan, and that he might set us free from death. Now, the truth is, is in this gospel. Now, the truth of this is, is that next passage there, Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? gospel is that man is a sinner. That man must do something. So what is that something? It's belief. It's our conscience. It's our trust. It's our faith. Even in time of despair and sorrow and depression and any other state we might be found in, it may be that we're depressed because that's the way God wants us to reach out to Him. Accept your depression. Accept your whole image of yourself. And just hand it to Him and say, Hey, save me from my depression and from my lack of faith. And help me. And lift me up. God allows people to suffer and to think certain things in order for them to open the door and come in. He's there. Just admit that we're all sinners, and none of us are alive, but none of us escape the damnation of the sin that man has in the flesh. Point number two, man not only must know all this, but he must believe and keep believing. And you can't just believe anything you've got to believe to know that it is Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. I want you to turn to Second Timothy, a uh, Second Thessalonians, please. That is an important passage that we just need to look at because it shows how deceptive the devil is, and how de- and how deceptive we are sometimes when we uh, fail to to size up what God wants us to understand. I want you to look at verse 7 first here. Verse 7 of chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians. For the mystery of iniquity hath already worked, Only he who now let us will let until he be taken out of the way. Don't forget that Satan's working on us every, every day. If we, get, if we get in Christ and we get comfortable and we, we feel at home, he's not going to let us alone. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. He's going to destroy him. He's already, he's already with the hope of the gospel, and with our faith put in him, he's already caused him not to shackle us. Even in our sorrow and our suffering, uh, he can't crush us. As long as we have faith in those difficulties, as long as we have faith in God, we overcome Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth. What do we have to do? We've got to know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Don't ever get off the focus that Christ is available. Christ is the right hand of God. Christ is willing us to open the door. He's available to every individual who is to leave him. And if we'll accept the truth, it'll make us. He'll save us. He'll save us. It's a process. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions if they should believe a lie. If you just want to believe a lie, you can believe a lie, and you can be lost. Real easy. But the challenge is, is to believe the truth. God doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he'll cause you to try to have some other focus, that, and you'll believe it. They not all be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, <clears throat> along with that passage, what is the solution? Turn over to chapter twelve, in one and two, because this is the answer to those of us who are who, who, who Satan is working on and tries to get our focus off of believing and knowing what to do in order to be saved now I know we're saved we're saved at the beginning when we acknowledge Christ confess Christ and put him on in baptism but there's another process of being saved is that continuous working of faith when Satan's trying to reach out and to get us and look at the 12th chapter he sets him at the right hand of God he does that in chapter 8. He does that in chapter 1 of the Hebrew letter. For foreseeing, we also are compassed about with the great power of witnesses. See, there's no difference. You and Gentile, we're all in this together. But we've got to lay aside every weight and the sin which thus will easily beset us and let us run with patience or steadfastness are tenaciously holding on what our focus has set before us. What do you do? Where do you place it? Looking to Jesus. It's like the psalm says. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. For who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. He is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then the next verse says, consider him. Consider him. Well, that's your outline. Error has never been as good as truth. Don't be deceived. Don't take your focus off of Christ. Eve did. She believed error. And it's easy for us to believe error. Let me tell you, Christ puts a smile on the face of every individual who look to him for guidance and help in their depression, their despondency, their grievance, their sorrow, their troubles and their difficulties he helps you to overcome in Acts 16 and 31 you know when the denomination away, they take this Philippian jailer and they take Paul's statement he said believe on the Lord and thou shalt be saved and they just assume that that's just the asset of the mind and it's just one thing and yet he preached to him the word of the Lord and he baptized him And he repented because he washed their stripes. And so there was other things that takes part there. But the specifics of this belief are many places in the book of Acts. But this belief is what we need here when it says, what must we do? It's belief. It's trust. It's continued to hold God and Christ before us. Point number three. You know, in all of this, sometimes we have people saying, well, you don't, Christianity doesn't have any feeling. That isn't true. Now, you can take your feelings, and, and they can be deceptive, and they can be wrong. But Christianity without feeling is not in existence. You're in a danger of losing your focus if you don't have any feeling. You look at this uh, godly sorrow Works repentance. You have to have feeling to repent and to be sorry when you do something wrong. So feelings are, in, are in, involved in this believing. There's Jesus there. He died for our sins. And I sin. And I know there's sin in my life. I have to have to be touched with my feelings before I'm sorry. So there is a place for the feeling. On the day of Pentecost, you think they didn't have any feeling? Well, they were pricking their hearts. They were hardened. They had crucified the Lord of glory. And then when they heard that they were big sinners and that they had done what they shouldn't have done, they killed the very prince of life, and he's still living. They didn't harm him. They were pricked, and they, they had their conscience uh, certainly uh, ruined it to do something. They had a feeling. They wanted to satisfy God whom they had sinned against. I want you to turn to Ephesians in order to get uh, uh, this passage. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and verse 19 is a passage that uh, uh, describes uh, how that we ought to walk as Christians. And verse 17, if we look at verse 17, uh, he talks about... This I say, therefore, testifying the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, not with wrong feelings, but look at this, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto the base, new emotions of man, to work all uncleanness with greed. But you haven't learned it, but how have you learned it? You have the right kind of people, the healthy people. If so, that you've heard and been taught of him as the truth, know the truth, and the truth will make you free when you're free from your sins, and you're cleansed, and you know you're justified, you know you have eternal life, you know you're going to live forever and ever with God and with Christ, you, your feelings are change. You have the right outcome. And look at number 22. Two. You can't have the right feelings if you don't do something. And the thing we need to do is to put off concerning the old man with his corrupt ways and deceitful lusts. That takes effort. You've got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And when you're renewed in the spirit of your mind, you're going to put on the new man which after God is created in what? And doing right. And doing holy. And being like God. Number 25. You don't lie. While you speak truth, to know the truth, and the truth will make the truth. And you do that to everybody. See. An anger, yeah, you can be angry because we're all a, a part of it, and it's just a part of the flesh, but you don't sin. You take care of it before the sun goes down every day. That's what he said here. Let not the sun go down on it. You just do the things correctly. Something's eating on you, something's got you angry, you're angry with somebody, you need to take care of it. The Scripture says that's the truth, and you know the truth. The truth will make you free. If you don't, it'll eat you up. It'll give you heart trouble. It'll give you nerve trouble. It'll give you all kinds of diseases. Cancer is caused from the wrong kind of attitude, some types of cancer. You don't give place to the death. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him work with his hands that he might have to give to them that are in need. You don't talk about people. Chapter 24 and 29. You don't say bad things about anybody. All you do is just say something that's good. You have a good feeling? Sure you do, because that's the way you're feeling. You're enthusiastic. And when you're enthusiastic, that comes from the word God. You're filled with God, and you're filled with His holiness. You're filled with His grace, and you minister grace to the other. And you're mindful, of verse 30, of the Holy Spirit. And you don't want to grieve Him no more than you want to grieve Christ. And you see, And the other thing that you do when you have the right feeling, you don't let bitterness take over in your life. You don't let anger. You don't let wrath. You don't let clamor. Evil speaking. You just don't. You just put those things away. That's a part of the, of the holiness that God intends for you to have the faith. Now, how do you have that? You have it because Jesus is looking. Because Jesus is there. And you're opening the door and you're letting him in. And he's in your heart. And he doesn't act this way. He acts the opposite. You let Jesus take over. He's your Lord. He's your King. He's your ruler. He's your life. Christ said, Christ, when Christ used my life. And look at number 32. Feeling? Does anybody have any feeling? Yes, it does. It's kind. It's tender-hearted. It's forgiving. It's the great equalizer. Look at verse 2 of the next chapter. He walks in love, just like Christ loved us. Back to your outline. When we understand that Saul of Tarsus felt something, he was bitter, he he held a coat of Stephen. but he had many bad feelings when he'd think about what he did, but he just turned it over to God, and he just said he was the chief of sinners, he owned his sin. He acknowledged it. And he said, I'm a chief of sinners. I don't deserve it. He said, I'd count myself to be accursed if I could just save the Jewish people. And he remembered those things. But uh, a lot of people haven't ever corrected their life because they don't have any fear. Just us don't lose our fear for righteousness. Well, the fourth point is that a man must confess. Not his feelings, uh, not that he's already saved, but he must confess the presence of Christ. He must confess that Christ is on the throne. He must confess that Christ has taken over his life. He must confess that he doesn't know how to live if it wasn't in Christ and his direction. He couldn't confess it. And this Romans 10, 9 and 10, with the mouth confession is is made unto salvation. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's a a constant process of a Christian's work. Romans were Christians. He told them, you've been baptized in chapter 6. You put on Christ. But there is a confession that goes on to people whose who, who Christ is Lord and King. And the confession we remember when the Ethiopian unit said, well, well here's, here's water. Why can't I be a Christian? He said, well, he can't. you just confess Christ, Son of God. He was alive. He'd been alive for 10 years when that happened. It's about He'd been running the church all that time. Jesus had. The thing that makes the church go is to understand it belongs to Christ and the people that make it just his people. They belong to him. And when old Peter made it in, in Matthew 16, he didn't fully understand it because he denied Christ after that, but, but he made it and he said, well, you, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he, he blessed him. He said, well, you've made it. But I'll tell you, man didn't do that. My Father has revealed that unto, unto you. And he did it by sending his own Son in the presence of flesh, in the presence of him. And while he was just close to him, he could, just, he could confess the right thing. But just turn his head and he'd, and he'd forget it. And deny him and curse swear that they never knew him. And that's how easy it is for us. And if we could just understand that that struggle goes on all the time. Point five. Man must do something. By grace and be saved through faith. That honor of is says the gift of God. Not a word, lest any man should vote. That seems like a contradiction of what I've been saying. But the next verse says, Because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. When you're created in Christ Jesus to work and to do righteousness and to honor him, you do it because of what he does through you by cause of your faith in him. And you're not converted to, to church entity or to a denomination. You're converted to a person. And the person takes over in your life. That's the reason you confess it. And when you understand the... Look at Galatians, the fifth chapter in verse six on that. For in Christ Jesus, there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision that avails anything, but faith which works through feeling and love, giving yourself and understanding. It's faith that works. You just completely give yourself over to Christ. but the denominational people and Billy Graham and a lot of them talk. I heard him last night and I haven't even heard him but he was over at Channel 5. And he said some good things but it's just a pitiful thing to think that he he had so many people walk down there and, and they thought they could receive Christ just by acknowledging that he was Christ. A man is smart as he is and knows much about the Bible and then mislead people like that. It, it's uh, But what he's doing he's He's trying to tell them what I'm telling you today, that a Christian has to do after he puts him on in baptism, and he ought not to deny that. Just think how many people he could lead to Christ, say, well, that's what the Bible says. You ought to just do that. But then go ahead and teach what he teaches, that you've got to come down here from out there. All oh, those people out there, just thousands came down. And you've got to let Christ come into, when he comes into your life, you've got to let him take over. Now what he's teaching them how faith is true. And that's the reason you can just have passages from here and here and here and just quote passage after passage about faith. And they look at it and say, well, that's what the Bible says. But none of them have on them. It's a tragic thing. And we can't get away. But where we make the mistake is that what they're teaching and the message they're saying is that here, in this Galatians 5 and 6, There's not anything that fails anything but faith that works by love. And the faith that works by love certainly doesn't cut confession or baptism or repentance or doing the things that you ought to do, but it just takes Christ into your life and puts him first. And you're walking by faith. You know, when Paul told the people... Paul wrote that, these two passages I told you in Galatians and Ephesians. But you know, when he was saved, the preacher told him to repent and to be baptized. Told him to, to rise and to be baptized and wash away the seed. And he even put it in writing. I had looked to. Look to it. So he didn't sacrifice that. He wrote Romans 6. He didn't sacrifice baptism. And he taught us to hear, to believe, repent, confess. But you know, he taught us this other. Look at the, the fifth, the sixth point. There are two types of salvation that we're talking about here. One is the alien sinner that has to come and obey the gospel and be saved. And the other, the one I've been stressing tonight, is this one where that we, we get into Christ and the devil is just ready to pounce on us and just to take us away and just to swallow us up. That's what he wants to do. If we have faith in Him, then and then the Bible is written to Christians, the biggest part of it, part of it, to tell us how to remain faithful, and we must endure. You know the hardness of difficulty in Second Timothy two and three, and the afflictions in Second Timothy four and five, and the temptations that James talks about. There's no temptation is taken you but such as is common to man. But God will with the, prevent, with the temptation provide also the way of escape. That doesn't, that is. Uh, that means any kind of temptation will take your eye off the Christ. Let him be in control. Whether it's your attitude, whether it's envy, whether it's hate, whether it's resentment, or whatever it is, battle is is really out to get us. And we need to be not just suspicious of our own life and to think we have to guard ourselves from, but we ought to be suspicious. If we're ever suspicious, we need to be suspicious of, of the devil. We need to endure. Some endure for a while. I want you to turn and close to Mark the fourth chapter. And all of this is made very clear and in, in is a summary of our lesson. And he began again, the first verse, to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship, and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he talked of many parables, parables, and said unto them in his teaching, or his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sword to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it. He's going to picture us, mankind. To know the truth, truth. it's just sad that it's going to happen this way, but this is the way it happened. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scarce, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Another fell on ground that was good and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth. And some of them brought forth more than the others, some 30, some 60, some 100. And he said, and if anybody hears this parable, if you have an ear to hear, you let him hear. The truth will make you free. But if you don't hear it, it's of no value. When he was alone, they came to him and he described this. And, and he described it just like it, it says in there. But he pictures us. Look at verse 14. For soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sung. But when they heard Satan comes immediately. I believe that. And take away the word that was sown in their heart. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they heard the word, immediately received it with gladness. I've seen so much of that, and it's happened to me a lot of times. If it hasn't happened to you, you're just not examining yourself. And then, when you go back and re yourself and re-study a thing, you see you see how foolish you were because you didn't get into the Word and really study that thing. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises for Word's sake, immediately they are offended. Well, there are some people in the church that you have to be very careful. Those are the people may God open their eyes and may they understand the joy that they are and if we have our feelings on edge and I'm one just as well as you we need to grow up understand that the focus is on Christ we can look to Christ and differ with another but when we get our eyes on Christ it pulls us together and that's what he said when he said to be one. And these, verse 18, are they which sow among thorns such as hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitful of riches, and the lust of the other things, enter in and choke the word, and become unprovable. You haven't heard about people who, who get prosperous and who get so involved with their activities that they have got to come to worship. There's no excuse. Let me tell you, when we put entertainment, and when we put a, a, frolic, a frolic and play before God's kingdom, we better read this passage. Because it's here. And Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to people who will obey him. His truth is given that it might make us free. If we're not free from it, it's because we have not taken in the truth. The truth will make strong churches. Now on the 20th, and we all take pride in wanting to be these. And these are they which are sown on good grain, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth truth. Well, I say we will only hear the word, we will receive Maybe to bring full fruit, we have to understand that God gives the increase. That's how faith and trust in Him. 30, 60, and a hundred. And He said to them, is a candle put on a under a bushel or on the line? He just saying the same, you're gonna let it shine. You're gonna let your light shine and serve your purpose. How you met the Lord's requirements? Man must know, he must believe, he must feel, he must confess, he must do many things, and he must endure. If you're subject to God's call to be closer to him. Our prayers are with you and are for you as we stand together together.